Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Mind the Gap podcast, the podcast where we speak to people who are doing work in the health equity space. Today, I'm joined by the amazing Chloe and Tineke of Five Times More. And I'd love to, I'd love for you guys to introduce yourselves to the listeners. Okay, I'll go first. I'm Chloe, um, co-founder of Five Times More um, with Tineke. And hi, everyone. I am Tineke, co-founder of Firefly's more mom of two, social entrepreneur, all of those what? things. But yeah, hi. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, and you both have co-founded Five Times More together. Could you give us a bit of context on how you got to the name of Five Times More and why you even started Five Times More? Okay, I'll take this one. So, I... Like I said, I have two kids and I gave birth to my first child in 2017. Awful experience, terrible experience. I I won't even go into it, but it was one that, an experience that left me feeling like I wasn't important and like my voice like just wasn't important. Like it, it wasn't, it didn't matter. Um, And at the time I was running a social platform for Mums to Connect for Mums and Tea and I was coming and hearing loads of other black mothers' experiences. You know, you new, new moms, you get together, you just chat. How was your labor? How was your labor? How was your labor? And I was just hearing loads of trauma, just trauma, 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 trauma. And so um, I had collected with Chloe through that um, platform as well. And I was like, okay, this is weird, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too sure what's going on here. And then when the statistics in 2018 came out that black women were five times more likely to die during pregnancy, childbirth, and the six-week six postpartum period after, I approached Chloe and I was like, yo, this is wrong. Let's have an event. Let's scream and shout about this, you know, because of what you do and your platform. How about we, you know, like just have an event to make some noise and, and see, like raise awareness. And then, yeah, we we actually never ended up doing that event we ended up building five times more i think and we had a whole campaign and yeah that's it really it was because i had that terrible experience and i wanted to do something about it and Chloe had the best experience working in maternity and i had the really like you know the big platform and the loud mouth and whatever and between the two of us, we have the perfect skills to build five times more. And then, um, so the name five times more came from the statistics. So at the time when we started, which was 2000 and when well, the, the idea came in 2018, but we actually started in 2019. No, I got that wrong. The idea start came in 2019 and we actually started 2020. Um, the statistics for black women dying in pregnancy and childbirth and six weeks after were five times more. So we we're like, okay, let's call ourselves five times more. And then we had five recommended steps. So it's like this. So for stop, because if someone goes like this, you're going to stop. And then we put five. So that's why our logo is, is the hand that says like this. And then um, we called ourselves five times more because it just, it just makes sense. Um, but we're not going to end up calling ourselves four times more, two times more, three times more. A lot of people ask us that question. No, we're going to stick to five times more until it goes to zero. Yeah, I was literally going to ask that question as well. So what are the five steps or recommendations that you had set out from the start? Okay, so now it's six. Um, so I'm going to do a bit and then Tanuke will do the, 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 the remaining. 
Um, so we got listen to your body. Um, so listen to your gut. You know your body better than anybody else. Um, we have document everything. I'm not saying in order, by the way. There's no particular order, but on our website we have got order that we say it in. But I'm gonna say it in as whichever comes to my head first. Sorry to the care. Okay, I'm gonna do it in order. Speak up. Um, so if something's not right, please speak up. Um, you can get a second opinion. So a lot of women don't know that they can ask for a second opinion. Um, from my own personal experience, I didn't think I could ask for a second opinion. I felt it was whatever the midwife, doctor, health professional says, that's what goes. Not knowing that I can ask for another opinion. And so speak up, ask for a second opinion. Um, you know your body better than anybody else, so trust your gut. Um, document everything. Okay, you're gonna have to do the reindeer too because I can't remember. <laughs> I okay. didn't know that. Speak up, advocate, yeah. Um, trust your body, document everything, do your research, do your and research, second opinion. Yeah, so those are our um six recommended steps. It was initially five, we launched with five, we thought five times more. And at the time, I think it's probably important to note that I was pregnant with my second child when we. Um, came up with these recommendations and I think at that point because of the bad experience I had before um, because I just didn't want that to happen again I was like I'm so sick and tired of hearing five times more and there's not really much being done about it like yes we are five times more but here are five steps here are five things you can do to try to you know advocate for yourself and try to like um, try to do things to maybe have a better outcome if that makes sense because I was like, yo, this is not going to happen to me again. I didn't want it to happen to me again. And I think from, from, it, it's important to note that at that time I was pregnant with my second because I know it can be a very scary time for mums, but it's also what can you do? How can you stay safe? How can you speak up? How can you, what are the things that you can do? Um, yeah, to, to make sure that you, it's not, that scary if that makes sense also oh god so i'm saying also to ensure that you have a positive birth no matter how you deliver your baby the point of with our resources and stuff is to make sure it's positive you can have a c-section but it can be positive c-section and um, so we wanted mums to be able to wanted mums to feel empowered we wanted them to advocate for themselves but we wanted them to have a positive experience while doing all of this mm. and i think that's the like when we have these conversations just generally about healthcare for black and people of color in the UK, or specifically for black women in this case, a lot of the things are always X times more, five times more. This is worse. This is like all of the things are usually in a negative light. And then it's like, okay, cool. I now know this information. What can I do with this information? And it almost leaves a lot of people in a state of feeling hopeless. And when we talk about things such as people trusting the system, it's like you can't tell people that you're going to have worse outcomes in this space and then still expect them to come to that space. In terms of like trust within your community of women that you speak to on a daily basis, weekly basis, what what do people say when it comes to the topic of trust? A lot of them don't trust the system. Let's be honest, when, when you look at the media or anything to do with black women or people, like what you just said, it's always like something times more. We always seem to have the worst outcome. We always seem to be at the bottom. There's always something going on within our community. Some, um, 
But then you do get the ones that do say that they had really good experiences. So I will say this in terms of giving birth, it's not always bad. So my, I had a good experience and a bad experience. So this one, okay. But majority of the time you do hear that I asked for this and it wasn't given to me and I nearly died. I hear this all the time. I nearly died. I nearly died. I was doing this and I nearly died. Or someone's always talking about their bad experience and it always seems to be because they're black. And and is it like, is it because they're black? Well, the question. The thing is, yeah, now I can't talk for everyone, but sometimes, and I say this to health professionals a lot of the time, because they don't take time to explain things and to give us informed um, consent, a lot of the things we take it as they're not listening to us because I'm black or because of the stereotypes and the myths. But I feel like if health professionals actually take time to actually speak to us and make us understand what they're, what they're saying and let us know about the pros and cons. For example, I want to have a vaginal birth and they're telling me I must have a C-section or I want painkillers and they're not giving it to me and they're not telling me why I'm going to take it as they're not listening to me because I'm black or they're not listening to me because they think I'm strong because I'm black. Well, if the health professional said, well, the reason why I didn't give you um, epidural was because your eight centimeters dilated and this will affect you in this way, then I will understand that and I wouldn't put that put it down to my race and the stereotypes that follow me because I'm black. I put it down to medically, maybe that's not what should happen to me. I should have um, gas and air instead. But they don't, sometimes I feel like they don't take that time and I don't think it's always their fault. Sometimes I do think pressure because working in maternity, I've seen it. It's, oh my gosh, yeah. The pressure. Is getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a, there is a lot of pressure and I think taking that time to explain um, to someone, they, they won't feel like that because I know from my experience, my first experience, the, the reason why I went so well was because the midwife really took her time to get to know me. But this was only during labor. During my whole pregnancy experience, I didn't have that. But in labor, she really took the time to talk to me, um, tell me about certain things. She was always helpful when I when I wanted to ask any questions. She was helpful. She was in the room with me. She didn't leave me in the room by myself. She was, she, she was there till I delivered my baby. And... That's what I liked about her. Even though I wanted epidural and she told me to have gas and air, the fact that she explained to me what was the difference and why I couldn't have um, gas and air, why I couldn't have an epidural or why I shouldn't have gas and air. I felt like I was in control of my pregnancy and I felt listened to. Whereas my second pregnancy, the way I was treated, the midwife didn't have time for me. She did not listen to me. Now, I could say it's because I'm black, but then at the same time, these things also happen to women are racist sometimes you just have to look at the situation on an individual basis and think is it because she thinks I'm strong is it because I, I'm not going red obviously I don't I can't go red is it because I'm not screaming enough sometimes I kind of have to question it but I'm hearing a lot of the time a lot of the time a lot of people saying they they feel like it's because they feel like they're being discrim discriminated against because they are black yeah and Tinega, I remember during, like, the first time I saw Five Times More was during COVID, like, when the Black Lives Matter movement was picking traction on the internet. Have you guys seen a change in response to Five Times More between that time during, like, Black Lives Matter being, like, trendy on the internet versus now? Or has the response managed to stay the same throughout? I would definitely say the response has been steady and it's stayed the same 
um, it was, I think for us, the whole Black Lives Matter movement and the unfortunate murder of George Floyd um, and, and people waking up and realizing that, oh, black people exist, black issues exist, you know, five times more is a thing, all these things um, are, are apparent and are very real in our communities. I think that was very bittersweet because in that same week that George Floyd passed away, um, well, in that same week that he was murdered, let's be real, it's called a spade a spade, um, is, is, is when we gained 100,000 signatures on our petition because everybody was rallying around and trying to, you know, look for um, causes to support and things to do. But our petition, our petition was live from like um, maybe about a month or so before that, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think that was definitely very bittersweet for us. But I would say the response has been very much the same. Like, people are like, either shocked that this is happening, they thought it was something that was just happening in America because there's a similar, similar problem over there as well. Um, but no one ever really questioned it because you can't argue with the statistics. You can't argue with something that's been a fact for a long time. So most people are like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that was the case. Why? That's most, most of the time, that's what we get. Why is this happening? And we're like, well, this is why we seek... To, this is what we want to know. This is why we exist because we also want to know why we need answers. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much, it's been the same. I was going to add on, the people that say white generally are the ones that are not black. When you tell a black person you're five times more likely to die, they they, they kind of understand it. It's weird. But if, when we say it, they're like, yeah. I get it, I see. And they will, they will talk about one traumatic experience. It might not be related to maternity, but they will talk about a traumatic experience. But when you say it to someone that's not white, so... When the report came out and it's all over BBC and everything like that, if you look at some of the Twitter comments, people are like, I don't understand, but this happened to me and I'm a white woman. But a black person never says that. They they completely get it. No matter what trauma it is, they completely get it. I think it's 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 funny that you say that because it, it shows you there's almost like a common ground that people sometimes don't need ex they don't need certain situations explained to them. Whereas within other communities it's like it's a shocking thing and you you said that the response has been steady throughout now could we almost break down that response because what i took away from that is that the response from the community has been steady what is your response from key stakeholders like the healthcare industry generally speaking what has that been like over the past couple of years i personally think it's my personal opinion it's not tanaka's opinion very performative and the reason why I'm saying this is there's a lot of acknowledgement, but that's it. I'm not seeing actions. But I must say the report that came out in, was it April to look at March? The recent report. April. April. That was, for me, I was actually happy it actually came out. So it was um, the maternity task force from the government. Um, so they, they had a report that came out in April. Wrong report? Wrong task force? Wrong task force. It, it was the women, women and Equalities Select Committee. No, what's the task force called? But the, the task force that they were calling out was the Maternity Disparity Task Force, but they're, they're not That's the ones that report. About. So there's a maternity task force that was made, um, I think, two, two, two years ago. Um, talking about this black issues, but there was loads of me there was just meetings, and I think only two meetings, and and then it was just nothing else. 
obviously we also included in those meetings. A lot of people that I feel like should have been there, especially people that work in the community should have been there, wasn't there. Um, so the woman and selected committee, I'm probably saying all these names wrong, but it's fine. I'll correct it later. Um, they came out of the report. Um, and, and it was a government report as well, which I was happy about because I felt like a lot of people were being called out on that report. So the task force, the disparity task force was being called out. But once again, just because they've been called out doesn't mean that they're going to do something about it. Because when my subaltern care asked for a target, we're still waiting for that target. And um, Maria Crawford, I was in a, I went to an event and she was talking about the event and she said that this year, what they're going to focus on is mortality and, and maternal deaths. Um, so mobility and mortality as well. Um, but they're still on a target. And then we went to the, another meeting. They, they, weren't, they wasn't trying to focus on that. They're focusing on preconception. So what they're trying to say is, if you focus on preconceptions, then that will stop deaths. So people are dying because they have complications before they're pregnant. Instead of them putting a target, this is what they're, they're focusing on. So yes, I feel like they're acknowledging the issue, but they're not actually doing anything that needs to be done. I remember being at another one of these meetings and someone said to me, they were like, sometimes you have to question the intentions behind the people who are talking because sometimes they're solely trying to protect their job and they can't push the boat out. They can't shake the table too far because they're scared of losing their jobs. Um, and to me, of course, it's very ironic that someone who is in a position to deliver change can be more worried about protecting their job over delivering the change because then ultimately we can kind of sit there and conclude that we're never going to get changed because I need to keep my job. Yeah. Is this something that you've also noticed? I know that you guys have been also at some roundtables with like the government, for instance, and at the, the highest levels of the NHS, which props to you guys. Do you ever look back from when you started to now and can you see the progress from that side of things or is it still very much like we're still having the same conversation we were having four years ago. I was going to say, we're definitely still having the same conversation. I think there's been changes in what myself and Tunuke have done by myself and Tunuke and the support of the community. But in terms of like government, stakeholders, it's the same conversations. Um, it's got to the point where I feel like there's so many barriers that they need to jump that they're not, being, they're not able to, to do anything. And I don't know if this is me giving them an excuse because I feel sorry for them or what, but it's like, you're in a meeting, a black woman more likely dying pregnancy, et cetera. What can we do about it? Someone's suggesting this, someone's suggesting, they're just looking at other things. Or one of the, one of the things in the report, they said it was smoking, drugs. Was it smoking, drugs, the environment or something else? And I was like, why are we still going back to those sort of things? And to look at always talks about Serena Williams and Beyonce. And they, they, they don't have these sort of issues and that nearly happened to them. So why are we still saying that it's drugs and smoking that's, and alcohol that's stopping us, that's, that's making us die in pregnancy? It, it just doesn't make no sense. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I feel like they have great intentions, but intentions and um, action are two very different things. and. Yes, if you look at some of the people who have been doing this way before us, way, way, way before us. I mean, we are not the first people to raise this issue. Um, so many people have tried to get this 
into the public arena have tra- have been advocating for for years for decades <clears throat> and i just feel like if there's not enough action if there's not enough tangible action if there's not enough right we're going to put on a target right we know this is an issue and we want to do x y and z if we're not specifically focusing on targeting black women who have the worst outcomes rather than bame as a solution because w- within the umbrella of bame there are so many different um, communities and so many different issues and so many different things that you need to target to do. Even within Black, you've got Black Africa, Black Caribbean. You know, there's so many. There's they're just not being as direct and specific enough, and because of that, they're just trying any and everything that is not quite working. And in order for them to be direct and specific, they need to have the data. Right? How come it took our report? as in the the Black Maternity Experience Report, um, for there to be any data on Black women's maternity experiences in the last couple of years. I just feel like if you don't have that data, then you don't even know what's really going on. You don't have anything to work towards. You don't have anything to work to, you know? And um, it it just doesn't make sense how we are still in the same place. And I say the same place because if you look at the Embrace report where we get our statistics from um yes it has gone down from five times very slightly but only marginally but it's not statistically significant and every every life that is saved is obviously amazing however it's just not quick enough for the fact that so many people have been raising this and it's been an issue for a long long time um i just think there's not enough speedness they're not doing it with enough quickness and alacrity for my liking it's just not enough this is the thing about like these things like a lot of the time people want to sit down the cycle that i've almost observed in my experience and of course like correct me if you guys have seen this is like you start off with a problem which is black women are five times more likely to die someone decides to say let's have a round table meeting or that's some sort of meeting you attend the round table meeting with a lot of energy with a lot of vim you like lay it all out as it is on the table. Um, and then they're like, yeah, we'll get back to you. And then it's just like, we'll get back to you. 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 And then a year passes and you guys obviously get tired and burnt out from things taking time. And then somebody else comes into the scene, like someone, like let's say a uni student with a lot of energy and kind of goes through that same cycle. And years are just going by of us doing that. With regards to like action, um, because one thing that I really wanted to focus these conversations on are not a lot of the problems that we hear about, because like we've said, those have been discussed a thousand times before. Um, Going forward with actions, if let's say I was the government and I could action everything that comes about from this conversation, what actions would you guys want to see being put into place from like next week? Target. That's my action. Target. Then if to look at you got another one. Well, uh, in our <laughs> in our report, we had uh, I think five or six recommendations, and I think they're brilliant recommendations because basically, just just to give you a bit of context, um, in two thousand and twenty one, we launched the Black Maternity Experience Survey, and um, we had one thousand three hundred and forty six, I believe, responses from Black women um, on what their experiences were like in maternity services. 
And it's, it's never been done on that scale before ever in the UK, despite the fact that black women have had terrible experiences and terrible um, outcomes for, for the longest time now. So I think for me, listening to what is going on on the ground to black women is really important. And we asked the question at the end of our survey, what actually, what would you like as black women? Because we don't believe in people making decisions and not involving the very people that it affects at the end of the day, because you're just going to have the same, more of the same. You're going to have these roundtables, these discussions with the people that it doesn't affect, you know, and um, people that don't look like me and you making decisions about people that look, look like me and you with no first-hand experience. And it's just going to be, you know, going round and round and round in circles. And before you know it, it's going to be 10 times more. I feel like you have to do something different to get a different result. So we asked at the end of our survey, what would you like to happen? And um, we based our recommendations off of that. And I think a couple of those, or should I say my favorite ones, I shouldn't have favorites, but my favorite ones are you need to get better at collecting data. For me, what gets measured gets done. And if you don't have the correct data, you cannot continue, you cannot move forward. So for example, I'll give you a, like a tangible example. Different hospital trusts um, uh, note down ethnicity differently. So the, you know where you can note down your ethnicity. Um, first of all, that should be one where people self-select and not one where the medical professionals guess. Because I might be Black Caribbean, but you've looked at my name. I might be married to someone who's Black African and you've just assumed that I'm African and you've ticked whatever. So you, you, you actually just don't know. Allow people to self-select whatever their ethnicity is, number one. But number two, those boxes of what those ethnicities are is different all across the board. So you can't even measure something as simple as ethnicity when, you, when you're looking across the board. Um, because they all say different things. So why don't they do something simple like um, just standardize the, the responses? It's very simple. In 2021, we did a massive census and everybody agreed to what those um, the classifications are of ethnicity. Why can't that be put across the whole board and let everyone sing from the same hymn sheet? Um, so it's little things like that. Do you know what I mean? That will make a big difference at the end of the day. So I'm not sure if you know about the Ockenden report that came out not too long ago as well um, about in, in maternity services. There was a whole bunch of missed opportunities because they didn't have enough data. So, you know, the I think it's the Shrewsbury and Telford like scandals. Yeah. So all of those things, that we don't know just how much it affects Black people because they didn't collect the data on that. And I think that's very sad. So if you... If, if, if I would say, what are one of the recommendations? Better data collection, listening to the experiences of Black women and not just listening for, um, like, to, 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 as a takeoff exercise, but actually really being proactive and not just reactive, being proactive and taking what those experiences are and um, working with community groups. They're not doing enough with community groups. You're sitting, you're sitting there on your high tables and you're making decisions and you're not involving the people that it affects directly. It makes no sense to me. So yeah, those are just some of my favorite ones, but you can read the full um, report. Um, I'm sure you will put links to that um, wherever this goes out. <laughs> Quick plug. That data conversation is actually a really big thing because well, like, like you said, what, what gets measured gets action. But I think in our experience, one thing that I've seen is people like when, when we spoke to our community about like data collection generally, 
people are like, I don't, I don't really want to share the fact that I am black African on my medical records because what if I get different treatment because they can see that I'm black African or so people feel a bit skeptical with these things. And of course, like it's kind of a vicious cycle that we're in because if you don't trust the system, you don't trust it enough to share your data. But if you don't share your data, it's hard for us like on the ground doing the work to be able to show the industry like what is going on and to the people who don't trust sharing their data within our community with the healthcare industry. What would you say to them? I don't know. It's a hard one. It's actually hard one because to be honest, where's your data going? Like, yes, somebody, we, we don't, I, even me, myself, I don't know half the data that we do. Where, where does it actually go? Um, but I say for causes, like in maternity, definitely you need to share your data. You need to, because they need to know what ethnicity you are. But in that same time, I'm like, the data that they do share, where's that even going? Like I said before, I don't know if you know, because I actually don't know where it's going. What do they do that data? Yeah, it's like most of it is like healthcare data. So it's like, yeah, like to be fair, that is probably, that question is probably the answer um, in the sense that like it needs to probably be explained more to people. Like, what do you do with the data? And then yeah, maybe why people is it be on board. Story? Yeah, does sharing my data does sharing my data help me? I know stuff like, um, you know, if you're black, then they're they're gonna ask you about sickle cell, and you might get extra blood tests. And where I used to work, Saint Saint George's, if you're black, you got extra appointments. So sharing your data there and saying that you're black, that's one because you get extra appointments. But not every hospital offered extra appointments. Um, so yeah, I think we need to. I think this is be explained to us where it's going and why it's so important to fill out for. These are the things which I think sometimes you need a bridge between the healthcare industry and our community. So like the work that you guys are doing, I'm sure, like Tineke, you were mentioning that the survey that you did at scale has never been done. And it probably boils down to black women saw you as black women and were like, yeah, like I feel comfortable, comfortable enough to be vulnerable and feel like it's a no judgment space. Whereas if you got guys in say Thomas Hospital in central London to do the same thing, they probably would not even be able to get the results that you guys got. So like it's like I, I take a lot of pride in the work that you guys are doing as well. I was gonna say all the hospitals to shout you you shout out my hospital. <laughs> that was like, coincidental. But is it is it is is what I said a lie or is it true? No, it's, it's actually true. And I was going to say, they, they trust us. They know we're not going to sell their data. They know that their data is going to help to create a report that's going to not just sit on shelf, but something's going to get done. So I always say, if people are sharing their data and they know something's going to get done. So that CQC comes out every year. And they talk about, you know, so St. Thomas Hospital, we done it. We had 3% of, um, I'm going to say BAME, because it actually was BAME, was all mixed up together, 3%. And I was like, ah, there's 3%. Which one was black? Which one was Asian? Which one was anything? We didn't know. Um, like, St. Thomas Hospital, that's so low. That's very, very low. But why? Once women fill out that data, um, that, that survey, is anything going to change for them? In maternity, or if it is changing, do they know it's changing? And now tell the CQC that they need to show people that with the data that they get, that things are being changed, things are helping them. So if they say, you know, postnatal care was awful. I had to get my own food or something. I can't, can't think of just something silly. Maybe now, because everyone's complaining about that, maybe there's a way where 
the woman can come around with trays or, do you know what I mean? Something. But if you're just filling out surveys after survey after surveys and nothing's getting done, you're going to stop. Uh, it kind of goes back to the trust thing. Like people don't trust yeah, that. Yeah. Do you, like people don't trust that your survey is even going to yield anything for me because like my mom was telling me that she was filling out surveys when she was giving birth. I've now got to the point where I'm giving birth. I'm still filling out the same survey that my mom was filling out. Like, yeah. The tick box. Yeah. That's what it comes from. The tick box. Yeah, I think... They just need it. Yeah, I always say, like, just a random thing that I genuinely think should happen, but I know that NHS and other healthcare organizations would never do it, is I think there needs to be better healthcare communications. Um, and by this, I mean, like, all of us can sit down and know what is a Nike advert or a McDonald's advert, even if they don't put their logo in the advert because we know how strong they are able to communicate a message. And I think a lot of healthcare needs to be able to communicate messages about even just general health or like public health campaigns to specific communities with, um, to specific communities with that targeted audience in mind, instead of putting everyone in just one box all of the time. What is next for five times more? Like, I know that you guys were crowdfunding at one point and taking donations. Um, I know that you continue to put out more reports. Like, what does the next year or two look like? What are your plans? Hmm. What are our plans? Well, I'm going to make a joke, but I thought it's not even the right time. So basically, uh, <laughs> we've got a learning hub coming up. So that's our plans. Um, we're still working on learning hub. And this learning hub will have just things that affect black people or black women during pregnancy. So it could be stuff on like, I'm pregnant, can I perm my hair? Those are questions that we actually don't know. And to be honest, do I ask my GP that? I don't know. Who do, who do you ask, can I perm my hair if I'm pregnant? Um, things to do with even like the kind of food that we eat. Um, once again, how should I put, to put my jollof rice? So I like putting oil on my jollof rice. And I know that might not be good, especially if you've got diabetes and such. So how to put less oil, less salt, use less this and but things that are more related to us and our lifestyle. So we'll even talk about stuff to do like sickle cell, um, even what is a C-section, who's a midwife, what a midwife does. So we're just, it's going to be a learning hub on ev anything to do with maternity, but more of the things that affect us, so preclampsia, those sort of things. Um, so that's what that's what we're in the middle of creating. We've got loads of health professionals involved. Even I always say even skincare and stretch marks, what are best what are the best solutions for stretch marks? What should we, we be using on our skin and our children's skin and our hair? Because I know a lot of women um postpartum shredding. Shedding. I even said shredding, you know. Shedding is a massive thing. So all our dyes and then we've got an event coming up in September, but we're still working on it, so can't share too much um, as of yet. But Look out for September. I've got a massive um, two-day event happening. I think that's it. Is there anything else to look at? Because we just we do. Do you know what it is? Yeah, we kind of do whatever's needed. So we might realize. So with the report, we realize there was no report of Black women's experiences. So that's why we done the survey. So we kind of see what's happening, and we're like, okay, this is what's happening. This is a gap, and this is what women are telling us. Because like I said, Tanuka has got links to women. So whatever women are telling Tanuka, that needs to be done. And if we are able to do it, then we come together and we do it. Um, and I think we're going to do, we're actually going to do a series of um, like a learning series as well. Um, 
on our web on our website and our platform. Um, but we're still working on how we're going to make that happen. Because uh, we realize that women come to us for information. So we're going to make sure they get information that they they can't seem to get from their health professionals. Cool. Yeah, just to like, add to that, I think, yeah, that having a culturally sensitive uh, hub for women is super, super important because there's just nothing like that at, out there at the moment with all the information in one place. You kind of have to go to Dr. Google or go to other platforms and, you know, you don't, you're not sure if that's quite um like correct information or um what's the word like verified information so you're yeah. taking information you're not even quite too sure but at least doing something like this can um increase you know more knowledge in the communities for women who are pregnant and um who have just had a baby as well so yeah we're really passionate about that and um yeah we're just working on trying to become more sustainable because a lot of people don't know that Five Times More is just myself and Chloe that run it. It's just us. Um, it's not supposed to be our full-time thing. Um, it's basically taken over our whole lives. And we've got other businesses. We've got young children. Um, we've got, you know, young families. And it's just, it's very, very time-consuming. And so we're just working on, you know, turning into a great structure whereby everything is sustainable and we can um, continue on the good work. So, yeah, we are working on quite a couple of things um, in the pipeline at the moment. And hopefully we'll be able to share that with you when it's all come, come through. One of the things that I kind of came to mind while you guys were mentioning about all of your plans is, I'm sure you've heard many times um, people labeling our communities as hard to reach. Um, and... I wanted to find out how you guys reach out to these hard to reach communities. Uh, it's more, it's not hard to reach. It's easy to ignore. I hear this. I've been hearing this quite a lot recently and I just feel like that's so true. It's very easy to ignore if you're not trying to, trying to look in the right places. Cause I say this jokingly, but have you ever been to Peckham? You've been to Lewisham? Like we're not hard to reach, but I think we are able to easily reach the community because we are the community, if that makes sense. We are the women that we are trying to reach. So it's very easy. We know what we want. We hear the experiences of women. We People come to us. They trust us. We've got that, that level of trust that certain organizations just don't have because, you know, we've been through it. We've been vulnerable enough to share it. We've been, you know, privileged enough to build an organization to, to try and change that. And I think that that's, that's the sweet spot. We're not just coming in because we're like, oh, you know, we're allies and we want to change things. No, we've actually been through it. And I think that makes a massive difference. And, and what you said as well, we are the community. So the women we the women that we are supporting, we actually know them. We've been supporting them. We've been doing stuff with them, been helping them. So before I used to do an organization called Prosperity, it's all about mental health during pregnancy. So I've been doing this type of work anyway. And Tanuka is still doing mums and tea. So we've been on the ground. You know, when there's an event for mums or women, we are there. They know our faces. Like, it got to a point where everyone used to call me Prosperities. And I was like, my name's actually Chloe. But my Instagram was Prosperities. And that's what everyone knew me as, as when they saw me. Because we were actually getting involved before we started Five Times More. So then when we did see Five Times More, it was a face that they knew. 
and a face that they could trust because we were with them from the get-go. Yeah, I love that. And one like closing tradition that we have on this podcast is I like to ask everyone if you could improve healthcare for your community specifically, like if you had a magic wand and you could just stroke it and all of a sudden everything changes, is how, how exactly would you change it for your people? And before you answer the question, could you define who your people are very specifically? And I'd love an answer from both of you. Perfect. Look at talk on our behalf. Do you want to go first? My people are black women, and we come in all shapes, sizes. We come in all different forms. We're not the same. We're not a homogenous group. But I'm here for y'all. So, um, I would want there to be equity. I want there to be better outcomes. I don't want us to be at the bottom of the ring of the ladder for every single statistic going. You know, when it comes to maternity, within maternity, you know, there's baby loss, there's stillborn, there's there's so many different things when it comes to period health, when it comes to sexual health in general, when it comes to diabetes, when it comes to cancer. We, we seem to always have the worst outcomes. Um, so it would be equity. I want there to be just a better chance of us not being at the bottom. Whatever that looks like, whether it's better education for the health professionals, for um, for us as a community, whether it's more outreach, whether it's more whatever, whatever it looks like, it needs to happen. And it needs to happen soon because we are now of age where we're having children and we're having daughters and you're like, is this going to be something that our daughters will be campaigning for later on in life? I sure as hell hope not. So yeah, it would be better equity in healthcare outcomes. Um, Mine would be uh, mine black women. Um, I want black women to feel like they've been listened to and heard. Um, it's something I hear all the time. It's something that suddenly, every time I hear it, I feel so sad. I'm like, oh, imagine talking to someone and don't feel like they're listening to you. Or you don't feel like you've been heard. So, yeah, simple. Just um, listen to Okay, amazing. Um, well, I hope all of the Black women who were listening to this conversation can leave this conversation with a sense of hope that you guys are advocating for them and doing work that will essentially yield better outcomes in the future but thank you so much Chloe and Tineke. it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Mind the Gap podcast I'm sure everyone listening learned a lot and also got some good vibes from you guys what's the best way that people can stay in touch hear and find out more about five times more that sounded like boss yeah. um you're on five times more five X more on social media or platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I will say Facebook, but we don't have Facebook. Um, and on my website is www.5timesmore.com. So 5xmore.com. Okay, amazing. Um, well, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Mind the Gap podcast.